Before we get to today's show, gotta take a second and tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. These guys' reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out. So this CBD-infused coffee, it's actually taken away long-term migraines along with back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety, pretty much you name it. CBD is also all natural, not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. So check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. What's up? Welcome into the BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wint here on a Tuesday. As always, we are presented by Total Beverage where you can get 30% off your purchase of $25 or more by using the code BSN2019. Two places you can do that, online or on the Total Beverage app. And remember, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area. They also now have CBD products as well. So whatever you guys need this week, if it's beer, make sure it's a Breck beer. Make sure it's a Strawberry Sky. Liquor, wine, beer, spirits, CBD products. Make sure you guys go to Total Beverage for all of that. Here's what we've got on today's show. Serbia is out of the FIBA World Cup. They lost early Tuesday morning to Argentina, 97-87. Going to give you my thoughts on that Serbia loss. Nikola Jokic's performance at the World Cup. Just some of my impressions from watching him over the last couple weeks. I've been giving you guys a a game-by-game rundown, but I'm going to give you some of my bigger takeaways from just what I saw from him over the course of the last few weeks and what this loss means for Jokic over the rest of the summer and leading up to the Nuggets season, which is quickly approaching, I believe, training camp slated for the first week of October. So a lot to get into there. Spain won this morning as well. They beat Poland, so they are through to the semis. U.S. takes on France on Wednesday, so uh, we'll know what the final four of the semifinals at the FIBA World Cup will be by middle of the day Wednesday. Serbia will not be a part of that, though, so I'll get to that in just a moment. I also want to talk about today what the Nuggets might do with the one open roster spot they have right now. They have 14 guys signed to pretty much guaranteed contracts for next year. They have one open roster spot. Bull Bull is on a two-way deal, as is Tyler Cook. They've got P.J. Dozier signed to what I'll call a training camp deal. So what will the Nuggets do with that final roster spot? Well, they got a couple different options, and I'm going to lay out a few of those for you guys and what I think they'll do and why they might look towards a couple different pathways in the lead-up to the season. But let's get into the FIBA World Cup minute, which will definitely go longer than a minute. As I said before, Serbia loses 97-87 to Argentina. This is a stunning loss for me. Um, Serbia was a heavy favorite in this game. I've seen some places where they were the favorite to win the whole World Cup tournament, which I did not agree with. I still thought the U.S. should have been the favorite, but I thought Serbia was the second-best team in this tournament, clearly the second-best team in this tournament. But as I've told you guys on this podcast I think the one concern I had regarding Serbia was their defense. They could score with anybody. Like They put up 87 points today against Argentina. They didn't have a strong offensive game by any means, but they scored enough points to win, I thought. Defensively, they just couldn't get it done. And yes, Argentina made a lot of shots. Argentina shot 45% from three. Uh, Serbia shot just 28.5% from three. So you can look at the difference there and kind of put Serbia's lack of three-point shooting as a central reason why they lost this game. But defensively, as a team, and I'll get into Nikola Jokic's game and, and some bigger impressions I have from him at the World Cup in a sec, but just speaking about this game, Serbia really couldn't contain the pick and roll. 
Uh, Fasunda Campazzo, Argentina's five foot ten point guard, really had his way uh, with Serbia in the pick and roll. Eighteen points for him, twelve assists, six rebounds. Looks like the best player on the floor for most of this game. Uh, he was in the two man game with Luis Scola, who is the ageless one. And then Argentina really surrounded those two with a bunch of shooters. And like I said, they hit shots. They shot forty five percent from three, twelve of twenty seven. So that was the biggest thing that stood out for me in this game. Serbia could not contain the pick and roll, and Serbia's bigs, including Nikola Jokic, just did not do a good enough job defending Argentina's two-man game. And on the other end of the four, Argentina's game plan, it was pretty simple. And it's a game plan that we've actually seen teams use against the Nuggets before, mainly the San Antonio Spurs in game one of the Nuggets and Spurs first round series. San Antonio eventually went away from that a little bit later on in the series. Why? I'm not entirely sure, thinking back to that playoff matchup. I can see some of the reasons, but if I was a Spurs, I would have stuck with a little more. But anyways, Argentina employed a similar game plan. They sent double, triple teams Nikola Jokic's way whenever he caught the ball, and they forced the ball out of his hands. They forced Jokic to give the ball up, which of course he did, as he was right to do, making the right play. And Argentina forced Serbia shooters to knock down shots. Serbia has some really capable three-point shooters. Marko Simonovic, a 40% guy, really throughout most of his career, is absolute knockdown from three. They have other guys who can hit threes as well. They didn't today. And Bogdan Bogdanovic with 3-7 from three. But other than that, Serbia shooters really couldn't get going. Nemanja Bjelica, 2-7 from three. Lucic was 0-3. Jokic missed both of his three-point attempts. Micic was 0 of 2. Stefan Jovic was 1 of 3. Just not enough consistency from beyond the arc from Serbia in this one, and that was Argentina's game plan. They wanted Serbia's role players to beat them. They gave them open threes. They doubled, triple-teamed Jokic, but Serbia just didn't hit shots. When it comes to Jokic's game in this one, and just speaking about this game against Argentina, another really strong game from him. 16 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, but... He faded in the second half. He did not have the impact in the first half uh, that he did in the second half. Over the first two quarters in this one, uh, Jokic was absolutely dominant. 14 points in the first half, 6 of 8 shooting, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. So if you're counting at home, just 2 points, 3 rebounds, and 1 assist for Jokic in the second half. Just didn't have the same amount of impact. And you can say that Argentina went with that double team maybe a little harder in that second half. But overall, and I think this has been a theme and a storyline that's been around the Serbian team throughout the World Cup and something that I've talked about, Jokic was really underutilized in the second half in this game, I thought. I thought Serbia's shot selection was pretty poor, and really Argentina beat Serbia by playing Serbia's way. That free-flowing style, team-oriented style play, tons of ball and player movement, that's how Argentina played in this game, and they were really fun to watch. Serbia, they kind of abandoned that style. Uh, There was some ISO, not free-flowing ball movement that we've seen from them throughout most of the tournament. And for a lot of the second half, Jokic was floating around on the perimeter. And we saw that against Spain a little bit. Uh, We saw that versus Italy at times when Serbia struggled in the first half before ultimately blowing Italy out. But it's been a theme with the Serbian team throughout the entire tournament, and I've talked about it, but it did seem that Jokic was definitely being underutilized. And I know international basketball, it's completely different from the NBA. It's much more of a team-oriented approach. 
I feel like in the international game, you're only as good as your fifth best player on the floor, whereas in the NBA, your top two or three players, your top couple scores can really carry you on a possession-in, possession-out basis. It's different in international basketball for whatever reason. It's just a more team-oriented approach. There's very little ISO. Like There's no superstar calls in international basketball. It's just all about team, and I totally understand that, and I'm good with it, but I mean, when you've got Nikola Jokic, somebody who finished fourth in MVP voting last season, somebody who was an All-NBA first-teamer at the center spot, who got his first All-Star appearance last season, who led the Nuggets to the second round of the NBA playoffs, you would think Serbia would maybe just pivot a little bit away from that team-first approach and center things around Jokic a little more. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but that seems like the simple thing to do here. And they featured Jokic a lot in this game for sure. And I mentioned how Argentina sent a ton of double teams at him, forced him to give up the ball, which he did, and Serbia just didn't knock down shots. If they would have hit three more threes, three more wide-open threes, we'd be talking about Serbia in the semifinals right now. But they didn't. And not just this game, but I think looking back at that Spain loss and that Italy game as well when Serbia struggled, they just didn't feature Jokic as much as they needed to. They didn't put him at the high post enough. They didn't run a lot of read and react stuff putting him in position to make decisions, read the defense, put pressure on the opposition. That just didn't really happen. And look, Serbia can play, you know, an entirely different brand of basketball than like the Nuggets do. That's fine. I don't expect Serbia to cater their entire offensive philosophy and execution around Jokic. Like they've got other players. They've got to get other guys going. They've got to get Bogdanovic going, Bielitsa going. I just would have thought that this would have been Jokic's team. And it was far from Jokic's team. So it was surprising to me that when things got tough, it just didn't seem like there was a real directive to get Jokic going. They tried to. They did a lot. But I thought they could have doubled down on that a bit more. And it was funny. Jokic sat, I believe, the final three minutes and 12 seconds, three minutes and 17 seconds of this one. It felt like, to me, he got subbed out for defensive purposes. This was just my reaction from watching it. It seemed like Campazzo was getting him in the pick and roll, beating him to the basket and getting a lot of easy layups and open jumpers. And then Serbia's adjustment was to take Jokic out of the game. That It seems like the reason they had him on the bench for the final three minutes, they just went really small. Serbia did. So he finished this game on the bench. And a final note about just Jokic in this World Cup tournament. Like I mentioned before, he was dominant. For most of this tournament, incredibly efficient on the offensive end, like I've talked about. In six games, his final stat line, 12.7 points, 7.2 rebounds, 4 assists per game. He shot 28 of 39 from the field. That's 72%. Shot 77.5% on two-pointers, 4 of 8 on threes, 16 of 19 from the line. So just incredibly efficient. If you got the ball on the block to him and he was able to execute a move before that double or triple team in some cases got there, he was scoring or getting fouled. You know, he was great around the rim. He played his brand of basketball, I thought, for the most part. And even though Bogdanovich was Serbia's leading scorer in this thing, I felt like Jokic was clearly uh, head and shoulders their best player. Serbia just played differently like you would probably expect when Jokic was on the floor. The thing that stood out to me, though, I, for some reason, and this is just my impression of watching him in these six games, and really more so against Italy, 
Spain and Argentina, the three close games or, or kind of close games that Serbia ended up playing. I just didn't see the joy and the spirit from Jokic in his game that I saw for most of last season in Denver. For whatever reason, maybe it was the taxing season that he just went through. Maybe it was something else. I'm not sure. But I just did not see that free spirit from him. I did not see that joy that he carried with him pretty much night in and night out over the course of the NBA season in these competitive games for Serbia at the World Cup. I'm not sure why. That's just my impression of it. I could be totally wrong watching from 6,000 miles away, but I just didn't see that same joy in his game that he had with the Nuggets last year. The silver lining here for the Nuggets and Jokic, of course, I believe there are consolation games to play for Serbia, but I can't see them playing their regulars too much in those. I mean, maybe they do play Jokic 30 minutes. I don't know. But if I had to guess, I'd say he has a much lighter workload in any consolation games. But of course, now he can turn his attention towards the Nuggets season. And and with training camp getting here uh, at the beginning of October, end of September, it's right around the corner, you know? So I've talked about this before, but there's not a long layoff for these guys playing in the World Cup. And this has been the busiest summer. This has been Jokic's busiest summer and most taxing summer for sure, playing for Serbia since, you know, he represented Serbia at the Olympics in 2016. Next time we hear from Jokic, probably be at Media Day in a little under a month from now. I want to touch on what Wancho did for Spain and how their road to a potential gold medal at the World Cup is shaping up. I also want to talk about this Nuggets 15th roster spot. What are the options Denver has with it? First, though, we got to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BS in Denver. You guys, Breckenridge, it's the original Colorado beer. They were established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of all their favorites, the delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, the world-famous avalanche. You guys have probably had all those. But their newest release, Strawberry Sky, is a beer that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted cold shale. But it's pretty much just a light, delicious summer beer, really the one that you've been looking for. Make sure you look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. Also, make sure to look out for the Breck event calendar on bsndenver.com. On that calendar, you'll be able to see all the events that we have planned. And of course, we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a great time. Also, if you guys are in need of a teeth cleaning, if you need to get some work done on your teeth, maybe an x-ray, these are the guys you want to hit up. We know that taking care of your teeth is pretty important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are actually giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. All right, back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Winter on a Tuesday. We're presented by Total Beverage, where you can get 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with the code BSN2019. Spain, unlike Serbia, is through to the World Cup semis. They were victorious over Poland here on Tuesday morning. That game tipped off right when this Serbia game ended. So you got a double feature if you were trying to get up at 5 a.m. Mountain Time to watch that Serbia game. You got the Spain-Poland matchup right after. But Spain wins 92-78. I think Ricky Rubio became the all-time leader in the FIBA World Cup in assists. He had nine in this game, so a big accomplishment for him there. But you guys are concerned about Wancho. Another solid game from him. 24 and a half minutes played, so he's still playing a huge role for the Serbian team, still starting at the three. 
14 points, 4 of 7 shooting from the field. He was 3 of 6 from 3, so got pretty much all of his work done from beyond the arc. If you're the Nuggets, that's what you like to see from him because if he's going to contribute to Denver next season, it's going to be as a shooter off the bench, a guy who can come in and you just know is going to knock down shots for you. The fact that he was 3 of 6 from 3 in this game and has shot the ball at times fairly well from 3 during the World Cup. That's what you want to see from him. That's a positive sign leading into next season. Also had three rebounds. So, like I said, Spain is through. They are on the opposite side of the bracket from where Serbia and the United States are. So, Spain will take on the winner of Australia and the Czech Republic. That game is Wednesday morning in one of the semifinals on Friday. The other semifinal is with Argentina and then the winner of USA-France. So, The road is there for Spain to the gold medal game in the FIBA World Cup. Spain is right there with France as Team USA's biggest challenger, in my opinion. France may be with a bit more star power with Rudy Gobert leading that charge. But, you know, Spain is experienced. They're deep. They've been there before. Ricky Rubio, Rudy Fernandez, Marcus, all these guys have played on a big international stage before. So it should be an interesting final couple days to this tournament. Serbia gets knocked out, but Spain still right in this thing with a logical path, I think, to the gold medal game. I want to remind you guys, if you have questions, nuggets, takes, opinions that you want to be heard, leave a question on bsendenver.com where this podcast will live. If you're a BS Denver subscriber, scroll down to the bottom in that comment section, which is only open to BS Denver subscribers. Leave your comment there, and I'll give it preferential treatment on a Wednesday show. I'll read it before the first break. If you're not a subscriber, what are you waiting for? BSNDenver.com backslash subscribe. Join the BSN Denver family. You can get a subscription for dirty cheap right now. An annual subscription right now to BSN Denver costs just $3.74 a month. You also get a free t-shirt with that. So you can read all your articles, all your articles on Nuggets, Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, news analysis, exclusive interviews. They also come in audio form, so you can have them read to you if you don't have time to read them if you're in the car or something. bsendeavor.com backslash subscribe. $3.74 a month for coverage that I'm sure you can't get anywhere else across all these sports. We also cover CU and CSU now as well, so get your college fix in too. So the Nuggets have one open roster spot right now, and they've got a few different things they could do with it. Denver signed Bull Bull, that two-way contract. That became official after it was long speculated over the weekend. So he'll at least start the year on a two-way, it looks like. And that can be converted to a regular contract throughout the year, which I wouldn't be surprised if it eventually is, as long as Denver maintains that open roster spot right now. So that's a reason why I think Denver wants to keep that open roster spot. They want to, I believe, maybe have the ability to convert that two-way contract to a regular NBA deal if that's something they want to do with Bull Bull during the season. No, I think he's still going to spend a lot of the year in the G League because, quite frankly, he needs it. He needs the reps. He needs to work on his body a lot this year. Just needs to get acclimated to NBA life, I would say. So they do want to bring him along slowly, but you know if they want to convert him to a regular NBA deal from that two-way contract. I think they'd like, the Nuggets would like to have that option on the table so they just you know have that available to them. Also, leaving a roster spot open, it gives Denver some flexibility. Maybe there's a blockbuster trade the Nuggets will make during the season. I'm sure Bradley Beal could be available this year. 
I'm sure there'll be a couple other disgruntled superstars that become available. It's always the ones you least expect, that's for sure. But Denver, as they've been in you know recent summers, has always been in position to make one of those deals if a logical deal for them and their trade partner comes about. And I think they'll be in position to do that as well. A, because of the assets they've got, of the young players with potential that I'm sure teams would love to get their hands on that are on tradable contracts right now. But they also have an extra roster spot now, so they could take back an extra player in a three-for-two trade or a two-for-one trade. So I think the Nuggets like to have that flexibility here so they can do something like that if the right trade comes about. I know that's a similar tune to what we've been saying over the last couple of years. Denver has seemed like they've always been in position to make a big trade. They haven't. I think they've been smart for not pulling the trigger on something like that. But, you know, if Andre Iguodala is available in December and Denver wants to move to get a deal done there, if Denver needed to take back an extra player from Memphis in that trade, they could do so with that open roster spot. And I bring up Andre Iguodala because that report from Shams Tarani on Monday that Iguodala wants to be bought out. The Grizzlies don't want to buy him out. They want him to report the training camp. I mean, reading between the lines, that's coming directly from Iguodala's agent. He clearly wants to sign with a contender. I don't know if Denver would be at the top of his list. There's obviously the muddled history with Denver and Iguodala going back to that first round series against the Warriors, where Iguodala then bolts to Golden State the following summer. My opinion on that, I've said it before, it was seven years ago now. It wasn't a good look at the time, but I think it all really wanted to be here and he could lift the Nuggets to, say, an NBA Finals appearance and the Western Conference Championship. I think that incident would be forgotten rather quickly. That being said, I feel like if they could all hit the buyout market, he would definitely choose maybe the Lakers, the Clippers over a potential reunion in Denver. But via trade, I feel like the Nuggets will have the piece to get a deal done if that's the route Memphis wants to go. And if they don't buy him out, I could see Memphis wanting to do that just to recoup some value from him. Anyways, that's another positive and another reason why Denver might want to keep that roster spot open. Thirdly, the next route Denver could go with that open roster spot is to actually sign somebody to it. I don't anticipate them doing that. But they very well could if there's somebody out there that they think can help them. Now, there's a few well-known veteran free agents out there, I'll say, that are always floated around when a contending team, and I think the Nuggets are definitely in that category, contending team, has an open roster spot. The Carmel Anthony's of the world, the Joe Johnson's of the world. You know, I don't anticipate Denver signing a player like that if they do fill that 15th roster spot because, quite frankly... As the Nuggets' depth chart and rotation is shaping up right now, the playing time that a Carmelo Anthony, who I'll just say would be a terrible fit on this Nuggets roster, and I don't think Denver would have any interest in bringing him aboard, or a Joe Johnson, who would be a better fit, but there's just not the playing time and minutes available for those guys right now. Right? Like, that's another reason why I don't think Denver is looking at a contributor if they were to sign somebody to that 15th roster spot. The minutes just aren't there. They're stacked right now. Nuggets rotation is stacked two deep at every position, three deep at some positions like small forward with NBA caliber players. The minutes aren't there for a guy like Joe Johnson, who I'm sure if he was to sign the NBA, 
for next season. He's not going to want to come off the bench for five minutes here and there in garbage time, you know. He's going to want to play night in, night out, and I'm sure some teams would sign him to a rotation spot, would sign him to a role where he could play. I don't see that pathway to minutes in Denver for him or really any other veteran. So they could sign somebody to that 15th roster spot. I would be surprised if it was like a veteran-type guy like Joe Johnson just because that playing time wasn't there. If it was a project guy, that would make some more sense. But the fact that Denver doesn't really have a G League team either, it just seems like it would make sense for the Nuggets to keep that roster spot open at least for now. Before we move on, got to take a second and tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Of course, it's Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee, well, it's taken away everything from long-term migraines, back pain and arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is also all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee just flat out is rich and tasty. That's the most important thing, right? We couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. And as Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. So again, real quick, just to lay it out in simpler terms, Nuggets have a couple different options at the end of their roster with this 15th roster spot. A, and the most likely option, I think, is just they leave it open. They leave it open in case they want to convert Bull Bull's contract to a two-way deal during the season. They'll need an open roster spot for that, which I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. They could also leave it open so they have some flexibility if they want to make a signing during the year, maybe on the buyout market per se, or they want to have some flexibility if they need to take back an extra player in a two-for-one trade, a three-for-two trade. I could see all those reasons being why Denver would want to leave that roster spot open. They could also sign somebody to that 15th roster spot. I would be a little surprised if that happened as of now, but it's still a possibility, I guess. It's still on the table. It's difficult for me to see them signing, say, that veteran role player who's taking workouts with a lot of different teams, trying to get back into the league, like a Carmelo Anthony, like a Joe Johnson. Right now, the minutes just are not there for those guys on this Nuggets roster. Like, if you're looking at Joe Johnson, where would he play? He's a three right now in the league, maybe even a small ball four on some bench units. Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap are going to occupy pretty much all the minutes at power forward right now. And Denver likes playing Jokic with Mason Plumlee. They had success with that combo in the regular season. So really no spots open, I would say, at the four right now for Joe Johnson. Maybe it would make a little more sense to play a guy like that if you brought him on in the playoffs, increased minutes, uh, where his skill set just might be a little more valuable than it is in the regular season. And at the three, you know, you've got Will Barton, you've got Torrey Craig, you've got Malik Beasley there, you've got Michael Porter there, you got Wancho. So I don't see a lot of minutes available for these wing veterans that seem to be floating around looking for a team, looking for a contender to hop on with. If they were to sign a guy, I think it would probably be more of a project-type player. But that being said, Denver already has so many young guys on this roster, unless it's somebody that they really liked and want to get their hands on and under team control. I'd be frankly a little surprised if they added somebody with this last roster spot. I think they want the flexibility. Uh, I think they just like the guys they have right now. They don't have a lot of needs. This Nuggets team doesn't have a lot of needs, you know. They've got scoring. They've got defense now. They've got versatility, even more versatility this season with Jeremy Grant. They've got shooting. They've got playmaking. They've got rebounding. 
There's not really any holes on this Nuggets roster right now. And I think Denver likes where they're at. They like who they're bringing to camp. They're incredibly deep. And as Nuggets front office will say, you can never be too deep. Injuries will happen. And, and I think they really think their depth is one of their strong suits, which in, in my opinion it is. So at this point, I'd be surprised if they make a move with that final roster spot, at least at this point. You know, maybe they wait a couple months into the season to see if something happens with Bull Bull or you know, something happens elsewhere and they want to make an addition or see a way they can upgrade their team and use that extra roster spot to their advantage there. I think that's all the time I got for today, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, if you got questions, make sure to hit up bsndenver.com if you're a subscriber. Leave a comment at the bottom of this podcast on bsndenver.com. If you're not a subscriber... First off, you're just missing out. Go over to bsndenver.com backslash subscribe right now and sign up. Join the BSN Denver family. But if you still want to leave a question and you are not a subscriber, hit me on my Twitter at Harrison Wind or in my email, wind at bsndenver.com, wind at bsndenver.com. I'll be back with another episode on Wednesday. Talk to you guys then. Before we get out of here, Total Beverage is giving the BSN fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. That's right. You can use code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today for 30% off a purchase of $25 or more. As you may or may not know, Total Bev delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. You guys, don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered today. Cheers from Total Beverage.